Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. You know when you meet people where you just click, where it seems that your thoughts and ideas are aligned? Well, that's how I feel about Heather Younger. Heather's my guest this week on People First, and she is a best-selling author, international speaker, consultant, adjunct organizational leadership professor, and a facilitator who has rightly earned her reputation as the employee whisperer. And as a champion for positive change in the workplace, communities, and in our world at large, Heather founded Employee Fanatics, a leading employee engagement and leadership development consulting and training firm to inspire others by teaching the kind of caring leadership that drives real business results. Heather hosts a weekly podcast, Leadership with Heart. I was just watching a phenomenal episode uh, with Gary Ridge from WD40 and Chester Elton, um, which also uncovers the drive for leaders from all over the world and all walks of life to be more emotionally intelligent leaders. Her book, The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty, hit the Forbes must-read list and is a go-to source for HR professionals and organizational leaders seeking insight into their organization's dynamics. And she has a new book coming out this year, this week, The, Care, the Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. Whew. Heather, welcome to People First. I'm excited for our conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. This is awesome. Oh, and by the way, I actually have a podcast. You probably don't know this. So my Leadership with Heart podcast plays weekly. So it does play weekly, but it's, it's an audio podcast on all platforms. And then my live show, I wish I could tell you it was more, more frequent than it, it used to be. Um, that's, that live show is kind of an extension of the podcast where I try to either bring on people I already spoke with or new people that still are exhibiting some of those caring ten tendencies. So <laughs> Either way, both very well worth listening to. What I love about the, the new technology is that they're not a one and done because those YouTube videos, those audio podcasts, they are there forever. And so whenever you find yourself with five minutes, I encourage you to listen to Heather's podcast. It is inspiring. It's uplifting. But more importantly, I mean, I was making notes, Heather. I love the conversation <laughs> with Gary and Chester, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But okay. as ever on People First, this is about the leadership journeys that we are all on and the reality that it's rarely a straight line from A to B. In my case, it's a little bit of a crocheted, knotted, tangled web that I've woven <laughs> as I mix my metaphors. But I want you to flash back to when you were a little girl and the teacher goes, right, Heather, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer well, back then? Well, it's, it's going to be funny. So just get ready. Um, I wanted to be a model and a singer. <laughs> a model and a singer. Okay. And I don't do either. <laughs> no. Not even for fun in the shower? Yeah, in the shower, in the car, there's some singing going on. My kids, some of them are like, I really love your singing. And some of them are like, mom, can you stop? So <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It I wasn't was my calling. I took an hour out of the day yesterday. We're going to talk about caring leadership, but it was an opportunity for me to care for myself. And I joined Elliot Maisie's um, Empathy Concert. And uh, we had three or four professional musicians and artists and performers from Broadway singing. And mm. it was just wonderful to detach. But like you, um, I sing in private, but definitely not in public. <laughs> All right. So you're not a Broadway star. 
yet. So what was the pivot point that brought you into leadership and emotional intelligence, diversity and inclusion, all of the human elements that you work with? I had been managing people for a long time. So I've been you know, leading teams for a long time. And I, uh, several years ago, I was in an organization that was going through a merger of companies. And through the merger, I kind of sat there. I've always been kind of like this person with five heads anyway, where I'm, I'm noticing what's happening around me and I'm seeing how people, all the pain is is unfolding around me with employees and customers. And so I, I look around and I'm like, something's gone wrong. So I go to the head of HR. And at that time, I was running customer experience. So I was not on the HR side or the leadership development side of things, right? So I went um, to HR and said, listen, we have got to do something. I mean, our, the trust has been eroded. I mean, people are really fearful. Our engagement's slow. And she said, you're, you're right. You should go do something about that. And I'm like, huh? What, what? Me? I'm running customer experience. Like, why am I supposed to? So, it, but it made sense at that point because I was the person who was already kind of like a culture ambassador. I lifted people all the time, whether they were my team or not. I always try to bring people together. So I did. I took it on and created an employee engagement council and brought all the different people from all those companies together. And in quick order, I mean, within six months, the trust really did start to grow. And it was because we forced the people together to, to learn each other, to, you know, to understand each other more, to uncover more about each other and the commonalities. And, and so that went really well. But the merger didn't go so well. And so they had hired a lot of people. It was just not good. So they ended up doing a lot of down sizing about 200 of us. I was in the first round of that 200. And, uh, and it was an owie because I was, I was the breadwinner at that time of a family of six um, and it just hurt. But I realized like right in that minute, this is the pivot really. I, I realized that no one was listening. No one was listening to employees. No one was paying attention. They were looking at revenue. They were looking at recurring mm -hmm. revenue. They were all the people they were bringing in, they were paying, but they weren't paying attention to what happened on the onboarding side and the people who were already there. And so um, I just said, someone's got to be that voice. Who is that voice from employees back to leaders about what they can do to really imp improve the experience? And that's where I came in. And I realized at that point, that was my calling. That's what I've been doing ever since. So pivoted from the external customer perspective to the internal customer perspective. And what I love about this, I, I flash back to my early banking career where I, I remember being told it's not personal, it's just business. And the reason I pivoted from the numbers side to the people side is I came to realize there is no vision, mission, strategy, business, product, service that cannot be undermined if we're not paying attention to the human side, the humans that actually build, deliver, manage, service all of those products and systems. And for far too long, the focus has all been on the task and the processes the what of business, not on the how. So in the work that you've been doing, how has that appetite for even using languages like the art of caring leadership, how has that pivoted as you've had and grown your business? Well, I mean, you know, like I said before, I've been leading people for a long time. You know, I've been people's manager or boss for such a long time, almost my entire working career. And I realized the impact I had on them and, and their lives and how I could kind of make or break their experience. So how much care I showed to them, how much concern and kindness I showed to them just really made a big difference in how uh, they experienced the workplace, how they saw their lives and, and just how they went home to their families. When I realized that, I, I just, there's so much power there. I didn't take it for granted. So the pivot for me, it really hasn't been, actually, I've been seeing a lot of reminders over the last, I saw it the last month for four or five years ago, videos I was putting out with the exact 
same messages mm-hmm. I'm putting out now. I mean, it, it may have had, you know, maybe had some different taglines, but in the end, it was the same. That It's how employees feel that determines whether they want to stay with the team or not. And it's the leaders in the organization that determine those feelings. <laughs> really. Yeah, I know. It's a secret source and it's not rocket science, but it requires a, a mindset and a care and attention to to show up differently. It goes back to, as you just said, how do I want others to feel in my presence? And therefore, what do I need to do? Where do I need to turn the dial up or down in order to make that reality? Because then when it happens, the results that we can build together are just so much better. So true. So true. So let's talk about your new book. Oh, my goodness. So having gone through this process, I'm in the process of bringing out our third book. I know as a family of six and I've got three sons, I think birthing. Me too. It's like I have three sons and one daughter. Yeah. So we're at the same spot. (laughs) But here we are, The Art of Caring Leadership. So talk to me first about the inspiration for the book. Wow. I I think... um, the title, it started off actually, the, the original inspiration is from the podcast, Leadership with Heart. So inside the book, I uncovered like 80 of the interviews from that podcast. I didn't realize I was going to do that until I was maybe episode 25 in. And I'm like, these people are so brilliant. Like this would be way more valuable. Like some people may not listen to a podcast, but they may read the book. What are the different modes I can actually get this out? So it was really the people that I was interviewing, seeing not their perfection, but the journey, that whole thing you talk about, the crochet journey, right? The, mm-hmm. the imperfection, the ups and the downs and the valleys is where it got just so interesting and very magnetic for me as I'm sitting listening. And I thought, I have got to share this. So that's really where the inspiration came from. But, you know, again, my lifetime has been one. Um, as a child, I didn't really feel like people were really caring for me. They didn't really listen to me. They didn't, they didn't make me feel important and respected. And so it's always been my life's journey to make people around me feel that way, whether I lead them as a formal title or it's just someone who looks to me for, you know, for guidance and looks up to me as a mentor or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it just is, I, I hate to say, I don't want to say it this way in a cocky way, but it is who I am. So I embody the caring, caring leadership, not again, remembering that caring leadership is not about perfection. Oh, it's the up and down cycle and the crochet. So I don't embody perfection. I embody caring leadership because it's about how are we kind of using our own unique brushstrokes to land on a leadership style that works for the people that are looking to us for guidance. Yeah, I love that message because I think often people will leave a a training program or read a book and expect to be perfect every time. And as adults, we are averse to being the newbies and we're all going to stumble and fail. I mean, I wrote the book about cultivate the power of winning relationships. I know there are times where I've dented relationships, but I hope that the insights that I gained in the writing process meant that I'm able to recover and repair that damage before it becomes lasting. And Mm -hmm. the the art here is it's meeting people where they're at, but also being able to flex and hold true to what do we individually need and want versus subjugating that for the good of others at all times. It's a balance and it's an Mm -hmm. act. It totally is. Yeah, we are completely like, you know, kindred spirits or sisters from another mother here. Because <laughs> we're speaking absolutely the same language. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I know, again, one of the inspirations uh, is Gary Ridge, who's the CEO and chairman of WD40. And of course, I remember using WD40 or my dad using it when we were repairing bikes and so forth. I mean, isn't there that meme that if you want it to move, use WD40. And if you want it to stay still, use duct tape. Those are the two yeah. things we all need in our pocket. <laughs> so, 
let's be clear, stereotyping WD-40. And I know there are other brands within the company that Gary yes. needs, but one could assume a very traditional manufacturing hierarchical organization. But Gary is a leader unlike many others. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what have you learned from your relationship, your professional, your insights and interviews with Gary? Wow. I mean, the, the, the thing that I love about Gary is that he is a he is he considers himself kind of a work in progress. So he's always trying to go out of his way. I mean, his journey started by him going to get, you know, a degree in organizational leadership to really start to understand what is leadership? What, what does it really mean? What do I need to do to create more results inside my company? And, and so I love what any of the turning points I've had with these leaders I talked to in the show, including Gary, Gary is highlighted quite a bit in the book, but there are lots of others, like I said, uh, in different industries, small, big, some CEOs, some not. I mean, it's just nuts how amazing they are. Um, but I would say the biggest thing is that he's kind of, I've, he considers himself someone who's constantly learning. Mm-hmm. He never stops learning. Uh, he's always trying to figure out how much more value he can bring to his tribe and also to the bottom line of the organization. And they've grown a lot. Uh, so I just, I'm, I'm inspired for sure by him. He's absolutely one of the top leaders that I'm inspired by. It's the, the use of language that we are a tribe, that we mm-hmm. are a family and look out for each other. And in the work that we've done, I've seen that uh, we had the opportunity to work uh, with a client in the oil and gas industry. We were working with frontline drillers. So again, a life and death environment. And when we arrived, a very hierarchical environment and safety standards are a a key driver in these industries. And we were asked to put together a safety leadership program, and we built it around the concepts of cultivate. The more we know, like, and trust each other, the quality of the relationship, the more we will look out for each other, we will be safe. And we thought, oh, good grief, they're going to push back. This is going to be too group huggy. Well, they embraced it. They went through it. 18% reduction in reportable injuries. Nice. I'm not joking. This was not the intent or a learning objective, but we had workers in tears as they talked at the end about how important safety was for them and who they were going home to at the end of the day. Yes. Brought people together at a human level. I get goosebumps as I think about it. Yes. I worked for for some years with oil and gas and the frontline folks are the folks I trained and I absolutely love the folks in production and I I just love those guys and gals, but mostly guys. Um, And it is interesting to see them embrace that kind of softer side um, of like considering what their coworker uh, is expecting as like as it relates to getting home to their family at the end of the night because the person was safe and how they were able to do the things you talked about. So I agree with you. And, you know, this stuff cannot just can. I don't care how many of us say it, it'll never be enough of us talking about this. They just it will never be enough of us talking because not enough uh, leaders are actually paying attention. Mm-hmm. And so we can say it 500 times, 500 different ways. And there'll be still a block of law, a large, large block of leaders who are not listening. So So how do I know if I have a caring boss or a caring colleague? How do I know if I am seen as a caring colleague? Well, it's interesting that you say that. So um, when we look at the caring leadership really is kind of sniff tested by those who look to that leader for guidance. So you're right. The employees really are kind of a final gauge. And in this book, I do provide a self-assessment at the end where they're able to go in and take an assessment that shows where they are on the scale. And it's a real researched uh, type of assessment that I put together with the IO psychologist. And so they'll be able to go in and do that and they'll have a whole support system afterward. But there are nine behaviors with sub behaviors inside the book uh, that I talk about 
that really um, give you more guardrails and more like hard edges to what caring means. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, caring it is kind of nebulous. It's really has been really nebulous. Like, what is this thing caring? People know that they're cared for by how they feel, but how do leaders know what to do to create mm-hmm. those feelings? And that's what I've attempted to do in this book is to put these behaviors based upon all the interviews I've had, kind of synthesize what those are and say, here are kind of the nine main behaviors and lots of stories and sub behaviors and actions underneath those that can really get you to the point where your people feel like you care. And caring leadership, you know, uh, it really is about showing concern and kindness for those you lead. Mm-hmm. And so if you need to, if you, if for some reason you, let's say you got an employee, cause there's, there's meet, meet people where they're at was one of the, is one of the chapters, right? But it's like you have an employee and you, and one of their, let's say their children is suffering or let's say they're, they have cancer. If you're a boss who's like, yeah, I, okay. That's interesting. Okay. So what's going on with this project? Mm-hmm. I need to know like how are we moving that on into that, right? If you're that person who's just continually moving things along and they're, and there's their, your people are in pain inside or outside of work and you ignore them, uh, you are not a caring leader. Now, if you, however, because remember, I told you this is not perfection, it is the crochet that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. So if you were doing that before, but you decide to do a switcheroo, you say, I'm wanting, I have an intent to, to, be, to get better and I'm going to go do that. Then they come to you or they don't come to you and you say, you sit with them, you're one-on-one and you say, so how's your son doing? Mm-hmm. I, I just, I want, I'd like to know, let's put the project aside. I really like to know, how is he doing? Is there anything I can do for you or your family? Do you need any extra time off? These are the things I'm talking about when we say, what are the demonstrated, the actual expression of care? So yeah, I think I care. Yeah, I'm such a caring leader. Oh, I am the bomb. I care, I care, I care. How do you express that care? And you have to express it in very clear ways. And when you do express it in that way, your people will feel cared for. And I love that because I was coaching a leader only last week and he was going, well, I can't do that because what if I can't meet the extra time off? And the answer is it really, it matters, but it also doesn't because the key, and I think you said it earlier on is people need to feel heard. And if you feel heard and then you explain why you can or cannot meet their request, they feel like their opinion matters, but now they understand they're not writing a story that says my boss is a jerk. He he or she doesn't care because we've had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so it's that power of just asking with curiosity and not f- no guilt, just ask and connect. Mm-hmm. And even in, like as this pace that we just slowed ourselves down to, I mean, even this pace right here is exact. This is exactly the type of thing you want to do. You, you Right now you may be moving into the meeting at first, kind of moving quickly and then you just slow it down and you allow for those spaces of, of like you ask the question and you allow for that quiet right then for them to process, to tell you there's an intimacy there that you are allowed to have at work. Mm-hmm. In fact, you want to have those those moments at work. Uh, and so when you get there, right, then you're able to really hear. You're able to peel away you know, everything that's happening and you're really able to hear them and meet them right there in that moment either in their pain, in their confusion, and, and you give them what they need. And I am telling you, it's, does, it's rarely about money. Occasionally it is. If it's like a, someone who's paid kind of at already at a kind of the lower level tier of the organization, then money is obviously survival. When we think about Maslow's hierarchy, it's going to be survival. But if we kind of remove that as assuming there's at least basic survival intact, right? And you've got those major needs, uh, safety, safety security just in the home life. 
And you kind of go above that care, you know, love, care, concern is so critical for people. And if they have that at work, they're going to stay with you longer, period. Yeah. And go the extra mile. It's that secret mm-hmm. source to the engagement piece. And to, to mm-hmm. your point, there's a power in the pause yeah. of just enjoying the enjoying, but sitting in the silence and giving space for people to choose how they respond, but also just to acknowledge the fact that you've asked. And now more than ever, because in the the work from home environment, the anxiety that we all have around basics, can I get toilet roll through <laughs> my family going to be okay to I have sick relatives, et cetera, and I can't go visit. We're going up and down that Maslow's hierarchy of needs that you mentioned, sometimes in a matter of hours. And I remember when I was taught at a university, it was presented in you go up and down in a matter of years or decades. But now we're talking about matter of hours, which is why as leaders, we need to make space for people to be able to share how and what they're feeling so that it we name the elephant. Yeah. And I think we when we see the world the way it is, I mean, we look at 2020. So just the pandemic alone, everybody has a lot of fear around their safety and security again, which is like that next level of up on that hierarchy. And then then we are, you know, so if you look at all of the things that we need in order to get to the point where, oh, my gosh, I've arrived in this world, which may as well cause self, you know, self actualization where we're arriving, we are getting to the best place we can be. We are arriving as our best selves. We just can't get there if we don't feel safe. So what if we can if we as managers can actually help uh, and create that environment of safety? This, you know, the safe spaces, psychological safety, but just, you know, like we just talked about, then taking in those pauses, being okay with just sitting with them, not with an agenda, not looking at what they can do for you, but what you can do for them and how you can help them grow as I'm sure, you know, as the Cultivate book, right, talks about like, how do we, how do we make people grow? And it's, it's part of this book too. These are, that's one of the nine behaviors, right? So how do you look for the greatness? How do you look for the great? So you talked there about the nine behaviors and you mentioned earlier on, this is not about perfection. And in fact, the power of your podcast, Leadership with Heart, is understanding the highs and lows from each of these amazing leaders, wherever they are in their career. So coming back to you then, as the author of this book, when you look at the nine behaviors, which is the one that is your high, that it comes naturally to you? And which is the one where you have to pay extra care and attention in order to role model that consistently? Mm-hmm. I would say the high level for me is listening. So creating a listening culture, making them feel important and looking for the greatness in those that we lead. Those are probably the, the most important places for me. I would say the lowest one uh, would be empowering them to make their decisions and self-leadership. From, so cultivating self-leadership. So what I mean by that is uh, on cultivating self-leadership, there's multiple kind of sub looks at that with authenticity and congruence and things like that. Um, but the biggest downfall for me in self-leadership is that pausing for myself, giving myself self-compassion and giving myself self-care. So yeah. that's most leaders, you know, as we know, many of us, and particularly those who are really um, kind of high, high thriving people who really want to achieve and move fast and run fast, that self-care, self-compassion, self-empathy part is um is a low point and then the other low point what i say by empower is like i like i love to empower people and i write that in there uh but i also have a time frame by which i want people to do things and so mm-hmm. what i find is i'm empowering and i literally am like i just let go but all of a sudden i'm like i'm pretty sure that time frame's passed so where is it at now like is it done is it done yet like so that's what happens with me is my low point okay. uh, right yeah. the good thing where i save myself 
is this true decide this true desire to connect, to show people that they're important in my presence. Uh, you know, just to know that I respect what they bring to the table and then I do see their gifts. So <laughs> since they know those things, it gets me out of trouble when I might be a little pushy over here, or again, you know, it, it doesn't help me on the self-leadership side. It mostly helps me on that empowerment side. Like I said, I embody, you know, majority of these things, but I am not perfect. And I'm not perfect on any mark. I'm not perfect on the listening side. I'm not perfect on the seeing the greatness because sometimes I might miss that. It's a rarity. I would say that's probably my very top, top strength is seeing developers, one of my top five strengths. Yeah. So empathy, compassion, relator, developer, and woo. And when I look at developer, that's all about how do I continue to look, like find the seeds, the tiny kernel that most people might miss. I rarely miss it, but occasionally I do. So. It's interesting as well as I reflect on my approach too. If you ask my clients, colleagues, the highs and lows, you may get similar, but also different answers than if you ask my boys. Because I know my listening goes down when my boys are, rah, 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 yes, because then they go. And so I've I've learned that, well, if I can do it at work, I should be able to do it at home and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned earlier on the self-assessment. So when people buy the book, please buy the book. It is phenomenal. Um, but they take the self-assessment. What are they going to learn? And then where do they go from there? It's actually pretty exciting. So I'm glad you asked this. So <laughs> and this is what I love about it, because it's not just a book that you read and you put down. It actually ends up being an entire community with a ton, a huge support system and guidance system. So you take the assessment, the assessment uh, then gives you, provide you results. Let's say you're, you're in two areas or whatever, you're lower, let's say, make them feel important and empowerment. You might be like me, right? We need to get better. So what will happen is you're invited into a caring leadership community and after you're, invi- after you're invited to that community, you also are invited to engage in some caring leadership coaching by coaches that are inside the community. And you also will get recommended some courses that fall within the areas that you were lower. So and then inside there, the coaches will be doing masterminds, uh, things like that. So it'll be all kinds of, it'll just be support, a community of caring leaders in development mm-hmm. who are just in there together. They're all kind of like, what is happening? And, oh, I just did this today. And what'd you do? And lot, subgroups and a lot of facilitated things by me, my team and other coaches, you know, whoever I invite into the community to kind of help out with it. So again, it's, it's it doesn't stop at the book. It's like the book is the starting point and all the other stuff afterward is the, is the journey that you take. I love that because so often when I've read a book and thought, I'm going to do this, and then I move on to the next shiny object, <laughs> I love the accountability or the continual reinforcement and the ideas of it isn't a personality transplant that any of us need. It's the fine tuning and the conscious, mm-hmm. deliberate choice of I need to be a 7.5 today. I'm turning the dial up. Oh, no, I need to be a 6.5 for this person. Or, hey, I'm a three. I really need to step up and <laughs> add to my toolkit. But it's mindfulness and we can all learn. And this is what it is. It uplifts everyone. Mm, It really does. When we're all more intentional, you know, I think I was was trying to figure out for for a while. They're like, what what do I really stand for? Because I I can talk about so many different things, but really, who who am I uh, and what do I stand for? And I would say intentionality is probably the biggest thing that boils down for me. So I go at everything in life with intentionality, even my overcoming my adversity that I've had. And you can check out my TED talk on that later. But this idea of being intentional by putting putting this stuff in front, put loading things in front of me that keep my eye on the prize instead of being distracted by all the things around me and being, you know, um, drugged out. Because if you think like that whole crabs in a bucket thing, it happen, it can happen all the time if we let it. But because there's a level of intentionality there, 
in everything. It's just in everything. And even if like eating and like working out, it's like, well, yep, I had that chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I know what's going to happen. Like I know it. And I, I made the intention of that choice. And so I think in anything, I believe that choices are everything. And so with caring leadership, it's the choice that we make every single day to show up in a way that shows concern and kindness for those we lead. It's just, that's the, that's what it boils down to every day. And there'll be days we're not so great. And it doesn't mean you're not a caring leader period. It's you're in development. Mm-hmm. You are in development and you are today. You may have been a shining example tomorrow. You may really suck. And, I, and like you said, I'm like that with my kid. Like I would say I'm at work. I'm almost like 90% of the time caring leadership is intact at home. Oh my goodness. It's probably like 70, 30. Like, so 30% of the time I am just not, you would be like, is that Heather? Did she just say that? And that's exactly right. There's just, there's no perfection here. And this does not start here. <laughs> it does not stop here. Right? How we can show up differently for those who are closest to us. Mm-hmm. And so again, the learning is it's not perfection, but let's remove the volatility yes. between where we are on our good days and our best days. Cause it's easy to be a caring leader, an awesome leader, a great colleague, a great mother, when things are going well. But as 2020 showed us, the ultimate leadership and relationship crucible. And if we aren't intentional, then navigating the storms in a way that allows us all to thrive is going to be a darn sight harder and not much fun. And what I've found is that when things are going well, if they're going really well, for in our business, that could mean that our business is like blowing up, like doing very well. And so then, in fact, I still could come off a certain way and maybe impatient, not listening very well, mm-hmm. uh, not, you know, really not kind of delegating rather than empowering um, at home. I'm, I'm just thinking more at home. But I, again, occasionally it would be at work, too. So I'm, I'm not you know saying that it's never there, but it would be mostly at home. And there's certain, you know, we know as leaders, we all know there's like these things we do. We, we've done them our whole lives. And we constantly work on them. And that's just what we're going to always do. And sometimes we can flip it over. Sometimes we can flip it. Like I've done that with my workout routine. And I've done that in the last two, three years where there's a level of consistency that there's just no, there's no going back. I'm, I'm there. So there's certain things, behaviors that we do that we can flip them and they won't come back. I do believe that. And a lot of times it's a wake up call. There's one leader, um, Ron Alpha Steffer of Service Express. He's a CEO. And he talked about how he would just go into meetings and just be like, let's get to business. Let's get to business to scale the numbers. And when he had, you know, he just had a wake up call. It was like, I, I got to focus on the people, the person in front of me and what's going on. And when he had a kind of a mindset shift in that regard, you know, kind of some hand slapped, he realized that. And all of a sudden his business, the business just took off. I mean, they grew, they went from like, I don't know, 13 million to like 130 million. They went from like a certain amount of employees to like 15 times or 20, 200 times that employees. I mean, it was just crazy. So I think it happens, but I know for me that whether it's going really well, going really bad my the extremes are where I don't shine mm-hmm. it's the extreme so I have to what I've noticed is that when I talk about self-leadership which is like the biggest chapter in this book what I've noticed is if I don't go for care if I don't ask for help if I don't become if I don't if I'm not transparent with my team if I'm not all those things right and I just try to do it all myself I do not shine caring leadership is I am not shining in that light so what I've learned for me again is to say how am I going to lean more on people how do I continue to expand the team to do the things that so that when I get to the point where it's going really well, which it is, or when it's not going well, which it did, you know, that I could say, oh, my gosh, like, I really need to go to somewhere. I need to turn to this person or ask this person to do these things. And that's that's caring leadership. Caring leadership starts with us. 
I love that. Caring leadership starts with us, but now it starts with you, Heather. So where can our listeners and viewers learn more about you, the work, the book, everything? Well, the book, um, cool, is The Art of Caring Leadership. Uh, dot com. And you can also, of course, you can go buy it anywhere. So we really just go Google it. You'll see it on Amazon or pretty much anywhere. Um, we do bulk, we'll do bulk sales as well. So for some reason you want to have it for your whole team or your organization, we'll do that. Um, and then you can go find me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of, a lot of my presence is on LinkedIn. So you just go look up Heather R. Younger, Heather Younger, and you'll, you should pop up there. So. Well, Heather, I know there is so much more that we could talk about. Please come back as a guest again. But thank you for sharing your journey and your insights on People First. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.